0: You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com.
1: Let's pray. We're going to pray before we jump into the Word this morning. Lord Jesus, we, we set our hearts on you. We set our minds on you, Lord. Lord, we declare we love you and that there's none like you. No one compares to you, Jesus. We honor you in this place. We honor your word. We honor your name, that your name is above every other name. And Lord, I ask today that every person here would encounter you powerfully today. Speak to us in your word. Challenge us. God, bring freedom in this place. Make us more like you, Jesus. Lord, I ask for your anointing in this time to move powerfully We give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today, I want to speak to you with the title of the message of Weapons of Our Warfare. Weapons of Our Warfare. Uh, If you've been in church a while, this might be review for you. This might be very basic and very uh, foundational and very simple for you, and that is the point. (laughs) Uh, because i believe that many times we need to be reminded of we, we need to revisit we need to focus on very foundational very uh reviewable pieces of our walk in christ and make sure that we stay sharp make sure make sure that we stay uh in a sense walking these truths out one of our roles as pastors is to equip you to equip you the saints For the work of ministry, to equip you and how to live as a thriving follower, a lover of Jesus Christ. And at the Promise Church, we believe that God has called us and commissioned us to see lives transformed, to see cities saved, to see nations won by being people. Of his presence. And that doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen overnight. Uh, it, it, it takes intentionality. It takes focus. It takes a, a lot of training. It takes equipping. It takes a lot of different things to be happening in, in our lives as believers. Now, I, today I'm going to begin probably one of uh, maybe at least two uh, messages on this subject. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll probably share part two. But I really felt led by the Lord to make sure that we recognize and remember that we're in a battle. To recognize and make sure that we are not ignorant of what God has given us in this life and how to live in him and how to wage war in this life. Because I think a lot of times, especially in America, Christians wage war on the wrong enemies, on the wrong targets, A lot of times Christians adapt weapons of the flesh and of the world. A lot of times Christians uh, have methods and structures and strategies that they rely on more than God's word. A lot of times Christians depend on a lot of other people and a lot of other things than on Jesus. And so I want to remind us of some truths that are in God's word today. Uh, Pastor Aaron's done a great job the last few weeks he's preached here about dreaming, about realizing that you have a purpose, that God has a plan for your life. And that plan begins and starts with knowing God, knowing Him deeply and personally and intimately, having that personal connection and relationship with God is where everything begins in knowing Him. And in that knowing Him, God wants you to know why He created you, why He what he has destined for you, what he has prepared for you, the plans and purposes and the calling for your life. He, he made you with things in mind and God wants to equip you to be able to walk them out. God wants you to dream big and Aaron's talked about dreaming and dreaming big and that the dream for your life that God has for you goes way beyond you having a spouse and having kids and having your career and having a nice house and a nice car and retiring comfortably in your early to mid sixties. There's a lot more to life that God has for you. Dream big. And the dream that God has for you is to advance his kingdom. It involves the gospel. It involves the building of his church and his kingdom. The dream that God has for you is bigger than you. And any time that the church begins to remember these things, recognize these things, begin to apply these things, and begin to be on mission and, and, and preach the gospel and dream big, the enemy does not like it. The enemy gets nervous. The enemy begins to go, I need to short-circuit this. I need to stop, stop this. I need to, to not allow these things to happen. Because if the devil can't keep you from being saved, he will neutralize you as best as he can but all of a sudden God's people begin to rise up and walk in how God has made them to be in their identity and the power of God available to them and dreaming big with him and creativity. All of a sudden the enemy goes, I'm in trouble. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to bring lies. He's going to try to bring deceptions. He's going to try to bring little attacks and he usually starts and begins in the mind, in the mind. With thoughts and lies and these different things. I want to read the main text for our, our time together today is 2 Corinthians. 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5. I'm gonna read this here for you. 2 Corinthians 10 through through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, We do not walk according to the flesh. This is the New King James and and other translations. In like the NIV says, though we live in the world, so the flesh isn't talking about a being prone to sin or a fleshly nature. It's talking about this earthly life that we live, this natural life, this natural body, this natural world that we are we are in, but not of. Okay, so though we walk in the world or walk in this natural body, we do not wage or we do not war according to the flesh. Or again, another translation, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this earth. They're not temporary. They're not of the world but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Again, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. They are weapons of our warfare, are mighty in God, mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds, addressing thoughts taking thoughts captive so again it exposes a tactic of the enemy against your mind see when you come to Christ and you give the Lord your life and you receive him as Lord and Savior you become a new creation in Christ all old things pass away everything becomes brand new and one of those new things that you receive is the mind of Christ you receive a new mind And part of the journey of walking in Jesus is learning how to think according to that new mind. And the enemy will do everything he can to attack that new mind and bring in memories, bring in lies, bring in thoughts, deceptions to attack that new mind. And part of our role, part of what we're called to live in and grow in and maturing in Christ is being able to recognize those things address those things and no longer tolerate those things and have them leave the idea of strongholds in this text is the idea of like fortresses castles that literally in your mind there are fortresses and castles built up and constructed that you have made over time that either have happened because of experiences you've gone through in your life traumas good experiences as well or they are things because of the way you think lies that you've believed things that you've even maybe believe uh that people have told you and so all of a sudden there are all these things going on in your mind i i want to remind us and encourage us with this truth here that though jesus defeated sin Though Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And that the war has been won. Okay, so I want to share this truth. First out, the war has been won. The war has been won. Through Jesus there is victory. Okay? Yet, we are still in a battle. What are we in a battle over? What are, if the war has been won, why are we in a battle? This doesn't make any sense. Well, we are in a battle over, battle over souls. We are in a battle over souls. You are in a battle for souls around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. There's a battle against your soul. The enemy wants to take you out. He wants to take out your family. He wants to take out this church. It's important to remember these things. It's important to recognize these things. So, who is our battle against? This is also important to remember. That our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against people. Say it the third time over here. The battle is not against people. Yeah. Who is our battle against? Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love the language that in, that in these verses here. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against people, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand, keep standing. So again, our battle is not against people. There is principalities, there is powers, there is demonic forces at work in this city, in this region, in this state, in this nation. And you are seeing them manifest themselves Very loudly, especially in this time, there are principalities of fear, which love to manifest through control, love to manifest through pride, love to manifest through hatred. There's principalities of hatred. There's principalities of lust and greed. There's all kinds of things at work in the spiritual realm around us. And the devil would love to do everything he can to lull you to sleep so that you aren't even aware of it. You aren't even conscious of it. You're not even thinking about it. He would love to distract you so that you begin to focus your attention on fighting against certain people groups or against certain people. He would love to get you comfortable with life so you don't even realize that you're in a battle and you're completely neutralized. One of the best and most powerful ways to fight against the enemy is being in love with Jesus. One of the best and most powerful ways to stand your ground and, be, and fight against the enemy is being love with Jesus. When you behold him, when your attention and your focus and your gaze are upon him, when you're in love with him, when first love is active in your life and he is that first love, and you are satisfied by him, your soul will not drift, will not be discouraged, be distracted to go this way and that and look for other things to satisfy you because you're content in him. At the same time, experiencing that great contentment, you are hungry for more of him. When we are in that place, we will know we're on mission. We will not be taken out by the enemy. We will be able to wage war the way that that God wants us to when you 're in love with jesus you 'll be in love with your neighbor when you 're in love with jesus you 'll be able to love those around you you 'll be able to recognize where they 're coming from if they are coming from if they are coming at you with something they're accusing you they 're attacking you they 're speaking slander or gossip or they are persecuting you they 're mocking you they 're rejecting you uh, they are uh, making you making you want to compromise things in your life because you are impacting their comfort. You recognize where it's coming from because you're in love with Jesus and therefore you're able to love them and see them rightly. And knowing Jesus and being in love with him and looking at his word and his example, he shows us how to fight against our enemy. And so I want to dive into a couple of these again these might be very basic and very simple for you but they are very powerful and very essential for you. Okay? So I want to look into some of these things with you today. The first one, our first weapon, and really our main weapon that we find our other weapons in, is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, and continuing on later from what I just read earlier in Ephesians 6, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I find it amazing that it says the helmet of salvation. Again, what is a helmet cover? Your head. Your mind. Your mind must be renewed from a place of salvation which is saved, healed, delivered. And when that's taking place, you will have a sword in your hand and you will know it and you will want it and you will use it. So... In the Word of God, it shows us how to rightly use His Word and what is available to us in this battle that we are in. For example, I want to give you some practical examples here. i got to kind of stay a little bit in tune with my notes and teach a little bit more so I, don't, I can actually get through half of what I have here. Praise the Lord. In Matthew 16... Jesus' walking was with the disciples. I preached on this text multiple times over the last few months. He he asked the question, "Who who does man say that I am, and who do you say that I am? And Peter, inspired by the Father, says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God, and Jesus says blessed are you Simon uh, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you but my father and heaven revealed this to you and I say that you are Peter and on this rock of revelation of who I am as the Messiah as the Christ I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against my ever advancing ever progressing growing powerful church that I am building that Jesus is building on himself and, and this is what he says. And then he continues the thought. And often we kind of stop there. I've stopped there because, you know, it's a great part of, of what he says. But this is what he says shortly after this moment. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In the same breath, in the same context, in the same passage, he says all this together. So what is he saying? He's saying, my ever-advancing church that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against, which, remember, gates are stationary. They try to stop things from coming in, but they can't withstand the church. The church is meant to go plunder the gates of hell. And so that those gates break open when the church get, walks in the authority, walks in the keys that God gives. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose will be loose. And we can get all like super weird and spiritual and, you know, have, have a little bit of, I don't know, charismatic fun with this one. But this is truth. This is essential. This is real. And it's not to be used flippantly like, I buy that and loose that in Jesus' name. Like, no. Like, you, you, you have to realize that you are walking in authority and that you have authority under the name of Jesus. And that this is a weapon, a weapon that God gives you. So let's get this again very practically. You hear this inspiring message that Pastor Aaron preaches about dreaming big. About the plans and purposes that God has for your life that are beyond you. And that God wants to give you a dream that is bigger than you. Otherwise, if you only are dreaming dreams that you can accomplish yourself, then that's your dream and that's not God's dream. Because God wants to put you in a place to be dependent upon Him for a dream to be fulfilled. Okay, this is real, this is true. And so, You're inspired by this, and all of a sudden, things are becoming alive for you again. Maybe you're over 70 years old, and you're like, I'm not done yet. I got things that God's got for me to do. I got a plan and purpose for my life. And you begin to dream again. You begin to dream bigger. You begin to remember dreams that you have forgotten about, or you've stored way off on the shelf in the closet, and you got to come and grab it and blow the dust off of it. All of a sudden, the enemy's not going to like that. He's going to go, well... Now, there's no way you're going to actually ever fulfill that dream. There's, you should stop thinking that way. That's crazy talk. Don't you remember what your dad said about you? You'll never amount to munch. Come on, look, you don't have a degree. You're not smart enough to do this. Or don't you remember what happened in your past? How do you think that's going to actually happen? Oh, you're not, you're not gifted for that. That's so-and-so. you that, that you got to let so-and-so do that because there's no way God would call you to that because you're just not gifted. These lies come. These lies come. And if you're not careful, a stronghold, this, this fortress, this castle that the, the, the demonic loves to come and live inside of in your, in your soul begins to happen and be framed in your head, in your mind, in your soul. And all of a sudden, you give up on those dreams again. All of a sudden you do begin to limit yourself and what you feel like God has for your life. But if you recognize that as a lie, then you go, no way, I bind that lie in Jesus' name. I take authority over that lie in Jesus' name. That's not who I am. I am a son or I am a daughter of God and God has called me with a purpose and a plan for my life. He has a hope and a future for me. And you begin to take authority in Jesus' name over those lies. You begin to use the sword of the spirit as that weapon to cut through those lies, to cut through those deceptions that try to come and attack your mind. Your number two weapon comes alongside this first weapon as a great connection and partnership, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. There is power, power in his name. Your name, my name, your neighbor's name is not the same name as Jesus Christ. There is no power in Jonathan. There is no power in Billy or Bobby or Joey, Betty. I'm just throwing out random names. If that's your name, don't be offended. There's no power in those names. And the name of Jesus is not some magic trick, some formula. Okay? Jesus paid a high price. When Jesus died and he rose again and he's with his disciples and he's about to ascend into heaven, he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That didn't come cheap. He left heaven, he came, he died, fully God, fully man. He took our place on the cross, he took what we deserved, he became sin that we might become righteous, and he took back the keys that we lost as Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. And so he says, now, under my name, in my authority, now go and make disciples of all nations. This is, what, this is what the bible says proverbs eighteen ten The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You can run into the name of Jesus and know that you are there is a refuge there is a, a safety, there is a security for you. You can rely on him Mark sixteen in the same Context that I just mentioned that where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me in Mark sixteen, fifteen. Jesus he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, they will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. In his name. In his name. There is one name that is above every other other name, and that is the name of Jesus. And at his name, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. There is no other name like his name. Why is his name used as a swear word in the world and not Buddha's? Because even the demons know there's power in his name. Unfortunately, many of the truths I'm sharing with you today have been, over, have been misused, have been over-exaggerated, and of course they are often greatly attacked. Why do you think that is? Because the devil don't like it. All of a sudden, you are faced with a diagnosis. What are you going to believe? All of a sudden, you aren't feeling well. And you think, I need to go see a doctor. I need to see what's going on in my body. We're not against medical profession. We're not against doctors. But I have someone. I have a name. And I have someone that I listen to and rely on and has a greater value and influence in my life than any doctor's name. And that is Jesus's name and what his word says. And so when I'm faced with a diagnosis, I say, okay, I appreciate what you're telling me. But I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the word of God that says, by his stripes, I have been made whole. That that beating he took before he went to the cross wasn't just for to make me whole of my soul, but it was to make me whole of my body. You can see this in Matthew 8. Jesus is talking about, it's talking about Jesus healing people. And it says that he's fulfilling that prophecy in Isaiah before he even is whipped. When he's healing the sick. So whose report am I gonna believe? What am I gonna what am I gonna believe? Now there might be some practical stewardship that you do with your body. Praise God. You eat better, you exercise, you you sleep more, you you rest, you take a Sabbath. You, you, you do things that will set your body up for success. Maybe you take some, some medicines. Maybe you, maybe you take some supplements and vitamins and different things to steward your body really well. But you don't have to believe and give in to everything that you hear. All of a sudden, you begin to be inspired with creativity to see God do something in your life. You want to reach A a group of people that are hurting and destitute, and all of a sudden God says, why would you think God would, or all of a sudden the enemy comes to you, excuse me, and says, why do you think God would ever use you? Don't you remember that part of your past? And all of a sudden you're faced with a decision. Yeah, you're right. That was in my past. But my past is dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I don't have to be bound to that addiction anymore. I don't have to be bound to that weakness anymore. I have a new nature in Christ. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Jesus washed me in his blood. I'm made whiter than snow. I don't have to live defeated. I am called to live victorious in Jesus. Oh, by the way, devil, do you remember that God chose Moses who killed people? Oh, by the way, devil, do you remember that God chose Gideon who was an idolater and was hiding fearful in a cave and he called him a mighty man of valor? So if he called Gideon and he called Moses, he can call me too. This this is this thing that we battle probably by minutes sometimes. Some of you are battling things on a minute basis, on an hourly basis, on a daily basis. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden these lies be built up and you believe them to be true. And the devil has an access into your life that he should not have. All right, I want to look at a portion of scripture. Again, that might be very familiar to you, but I want to show you how Jesus fought against the enemy. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. We're going to read this together. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would be too. I'm hungry, and I had breakfast this morning. Praise God. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Just going to pause there for a moment say it again. Uh, Jesus answered, it is written, and what? The Bible, the scriptures, the inspired word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, and serve him only then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him there's so much here i'm going to just try to give you some some big highlights notice how jesus fought it is written it is written it is written if you do not read this if you do not get this in your life if you do not meditate on it if you do not memorize it how will you be able to say it is written If you don't have a proper value for this in your life, you will be weak and powerless. You can run to your pastor. You can run to a counselor and therapist. You can run to so-and-so next door as much as you want, but you've been given a weapon that you can fight with. I would encourage all of you to get scriptures that you know and memorize, and that you can pull out at a moment. You're tempted with lust. I will put no vile thing before my eyes. You're tempted to go and, and go into a, a, an environment or a direction that you don't think you should, you, that you know you shouldn't go into, but it's pulling you. No, I, I'm gonna, the, the word of God is a light into my feet and a light into my path. I, I'm, I'm gonna stay in his path for my life. I'm gonna stay in his word. You're tempted to gossip, and you recall Proverbs that talk about how destructive a gossip is. You, you want to speak death over people. You want to condemn people. You want to put people down and, and be negative and condescending to people, and you recognize, oh, wait, there's life and death in my tongue. Oh, wait, oh, what comes out of my mouth is revealing my heart. Jesus used this. It's also interesting that the devil used this. So we're going to get to that in a second. But first, the enemy targeted Jesus' weakness and his need. He targeted Jesus' weakness and need. You're like, how was Jesus weak? He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He had a body. He was fully man. There was a, a need of food in his life right there. But he recognized where his source fully was. He recognized what was most needed in his life. What was that? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was being nourished from the voice of his father. He was being nourished probably from the scriptures that he had heard and grown up in and known his entire life leading up to that point. And so he was able to resist nothing bad. What's wrong with bread? Well, besides, it's probably good, not good carbs in the world that we live in today, and it will not be, turns to sugar, and it's not good for your body. Uh, but besides, back then, it was, it was good bread, I'm sure. Unleavened and um, less carbs, better wheat. It wasn't GMO wheat. Uh, so, anyway, there was nothing wrong with bread. But because the enemy was tempting him with it, there was something wrong with it. And the enemy was inviting him into a place of leaving his identity. So Satan says, if you are the son of God, prove yourself. Turn these stones into bread. Just before this moment, Jesus was being baptized in the river and the Holy Spirit descended upon him and the Father's voice audibly spoke, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He didn't have to prove himself. He was already secure in his identity. So the enemy attacked his weakness and his need. Often the enemy will attack us when we are weak, spiritually weak, physically weak, tired, burnt out. He will attack you where you have a need. He targeted Jesus' identity identity with what he would believe that his father said about him. The enemy loves to attack what the father says about you. The enemy wants to take what the father says about you as his son or daughter and tear it down. And instead he wants to reinforce lies that have been spoken over you, possibly by your fathers, by your parents, by authority in your life from your past. The enemy was was tempting Jesus to prove his identity in his own strength. And he tempted Jesus to short to get a shortcut so that Jesus would not go to the cross. If you jump from this, you won't die. The angels will protect you and I will give you all of this. The enemy loves to present us with shortcuts. I just want you to know that in the kingdom of God, there are no shortcuts. Jesus had to go to the cross. You and I are invited to the same path. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple daily, pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. There's no shortcuts. There's no exceptions. There's no favorites. The enemy will always try to offer shortcuts to appeal to our flesh and our motives. The enemy used the word of God against the word of God, the living word of God, Jesus. He tried to use God's word against the word of God to try to deceive Jesus. It's kind of mind-blowing to think of it. If he tried it against Jesus... What makes you think he wouldn't try it against you? Where did, where did uh, the devil quote? He quoted Psalms 91. He quoted Psalms 91. He says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Okay? He quoted Psalm 91. Jesus then atook, attacked the enemy with another scripture. What does that show us? that you can use the, the Bible, the Word of God, as a weapon, and it can be used wrongly. And that some truth triumphs over other truth. Okay? And Jesus <laughs> Jesus knew the whole passage of Scripture. He says, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to give me a shortcut. And I want you to know, devil, that you should have kept reading that verse because if the devil had kept reading the verse he did not and I would and, and Jesus he's perfect so he didn't do anything wrong but I kind of wish that Jesus would have said you you stopped why did you why did you stop devil you should have kept reading you should have kept quoting because this is what verse 13 says of Psalms 91 you will tread on the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and the serpent so Psalms 91 is about one who loves the Lord and about one who dwells with the Lord and, and the promises that are there. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. And he was the one ultimately who was to come and put his foot on the devil and he will strike the serpent's head and his heel will be bruised as prophesied in Genesis. And the devil stopped reading, stopped quoting because he was trying to get Jesus to a shortcut so that that wouldn't happen. And Jesus is like, nice try. I'm going to step on your head. It's coming. And it's going to last for forever. So again, if the devil tries to use the scripture to deceive Jesus, why would he not do it to you? Maybe things like, are you sure there's only one way to heaven? Are you sure that hell isn't a metaphor, that it's not figurative, that, may, that it's not really a literal place that people have to go to? Or, or, you know, maybe things like homosexuality can't really be a sin. Or maybe things like tithing. Oh, it's just for the Old Testament. I'm going for all of the big ones. Or how about, uh, you know, healing? It's not for today. It died, you know, when the apostles died. Or baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not needed today. We have the Bible. Lies. All of them. Lies. Lots of lies that people try to reinforce with what? Scripture. Number three. A new, another weapon I want to talk about that we're going to partake in together is communion. Communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So communion is this special place of remembrance. It's this special place that we get to come to with him, where where we remember what he has done. We remember the price he paid. Where we we remember our victory through him. Where we remind the devil that he lost, and he's not gonna win in us. Where we remind ourselves that we've won with Christ. Where we remember the promises of God. Some of you here today have sons and daughters who aren't walking with the Lord, and the devil would love to attack with lies, saying, oh, they're too far gone, They won't repent. They won't come back. The things that they're stuck in are too big and too bad. No. We sang about this great song this morning already about prodigals and people returning and coming home. If the Lord can do it for us, he can do it for anyone. Jesus said, go preach the gospel to all creation. Shows his heart, he wants everyone He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. So if it's his heart, you know that you have a place to go into in prayer and intercession. You wanna know how to pray the will of God? You wanna know how to pray knowing that you're praying the true will of God? Pray this. Know this. Pray this. I don't spend a lot of time in prayer just praying things from my mind. I spend a lot of time in prayer, praying as I'm reading. In fact, if you struggle with going into a place of prayer, wondering, I don't even know what to say. How do I, how do I, how do I pray? I don't even know what to pray. Well, you can start right here, praying in the scriptures. I wish I had more time to go into this, but this is, this is a great way to begin. I want to just give us some scriptures here to encourage us in this place of communion as a weapon for us. Again, it reminds the devil he lost. Colossians 2, 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross when it looked like he lost and he was defeated he was making a public spectacle against darkness saying you think you won you're dumb I won It reminds yourself of the victory in Christ. First Corinthians 15, 55-57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The, sin, uh, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of connection at the table with the Lord in communion. Psalms 23.5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's this special place of safety that we can come to it with the Lord when we feel under attack, when we feel like the enemy's coming against us, when we feel like the world is coming against us, when there's people coming against us, and we can come and we can sit with the Lord and be protected by it all. Remind ourselves, remind the enemy, stand in that place of what Jesus paid for. I would encourage you to not only partake of communion when you are in a church gathering service. I would encourage you, I would implore you to partake of communion on a very regular basis. I'm not gonna tell you you gotta do it every day, but if you need to start that way, then maybe it's a good way to start. Maybe it's once a week, but I would encourage you to take communion with the Lord on a regular basis, to stand on what the Lord has done, to stand on His promises, on His word. Greg, I'm just gonna call you out. I know you'd never shared this with me for it to be made known, but this man here, I love his faith and his courage. He comes before the table of the Lord every day, he says, Lord, I believe that you're the healer and I'm going to see you move through me in healing and I'm going to contend for it until the day I die. Why? Because he paid for it in his body and his blood. And to to contend or to settle for anything less (laughs) is to devalue what he did. Would you stand with me? I know that in this moment, in this room, that there's a, there's a high chance that there's some of you here that don't even have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know the Lord. And I don't believe in accidents at all. God brought you here. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you want to begin a journey of relationship with him where you surrender and give him your life, and you say, Lord, I'm not going to be in control of my life anymore. I want you to lead it. I want to follow you. I I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life, and I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. If you are here today and you want to receive Jesus and you haven't begun that journey of relationship with with him, I want to invite you into an opportunity to do that. If you could just raise your hand, we want to pray with you. Is there anybody here? Okay. I'll wait another moment. Anybody here? I want to do this with our time of communion. I want us to remember what he's done. I want us to to come before him in that place of gratefulness, in that place of thankfulness. I want us to come to him in, in that place of faith to say, Jesus, thank you for the victory I have in you. Thank you, Jesus, for the promises that you show me in your word. Thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for in your body in the shedding of your blood, for my healing, for my wholeness, for my freedom. So right now, just in your own heart, with your own mouth, Begin to thank him. Begin to see yourself at that table with the Lord, face to face, thanking him. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. The devil hates communion. The devil hates the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. If you would take your elements, take your bread, and just for a moment, I don't want to rush anything, just for a moment, remember what he went through for you that his body was brutalized and beaten and tormented for you. There was a crown of thorns shoved into his skull. There was his beard was ripped out. He was slapped and punched in the face. He was spit on. He was flogged. He was whipped, and beaten brutally. Nails were driven through his hands and feet. He died a criminal's death. He died one of the most painful ways you could imagine. And he did it because of a desperate love for you. He did it to restore you, to redeem you, to bring you a way for you to come to him. Lord, we declare as you did that man does not live by bread alone but lives by every word that comes from your mouth. Lord, I ask for every person here today a special grace you would open our ears, Jesus, to hear your voice. Open open the word of God as you did for your disciples. It says you opened their minds to understand the scriptures. God, Open up the scriptures to every person here in such a new way, in a fresh way. Help us to hear your voice. I ask for fresh and new dreams, fresh and new visions. God, to be in tune with your whisper. God, the grace to still our souls and our minds long enough to hear your whisper. And Lord, we say that you are our bread you are the bread of life and we come to you and we find full fulfillment and satisfaction in you we thank you jesus we take this bread in remembrance of you and we give you glory and thanks in jesus name You may partake We thank you for the cup of the new covenant Lord that is available through the shedding of your blood God because of your blood that was shed and poured out Lord, you can, you've washed us cleansed us from our sins made us whole God because of what you bore in your body in the shedding of your blood Lord there is healing for us there is freedom for us Lord, as your people who you've purchased through your blood, we stand on the truth and the reality of what you paid for. We will not listen to, we will not tolerate any lie any longer, any deception any longer, any false teaching any longer that says healing is not for today or healing is not for me or healing is not for now. Lord, we break those things in Jesus' name. We bind those lies in the name of Jesus. And I ask in your precious name, in the power of your name, the name that is above every sickness, that the name is that above every pain, the name that is above every disease, every condition, every mental illness, every deception, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would heal your people today. Heal your people today, Lord. Set your people free today. Right now, if you need healing in your body, say, I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Begin to thank Him for your healing right now. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for my body. Lord, heal bodies right now in Jesus' name. Heal necks and backs. Lord, heal bad knees heal conditions that people have accepted and tolerated for years. I break and bind the lie in Jesus name that my father had this condition. My mom had this condition. So I'm going to have this condition. No, in Jesus name, I break that lie in the name of Jesus. right before he said that, exactly what he said, things that have been lasting for a long time, I saw in heaven, I actually saw angels dusting off body parts, dusting off with their wings, they were dusting them off, because there's been things that people have had for a long time, and God says, this is your day, this is your day to feel the healing, salvation of God, whatever it is, receive it by faith, nobody even has to touch you right now it's going to come out of heaven and you're going to feel warmth in your body right now here it comes come on, just receive it right now there's some of you, I heard the word arthritis some of you have been battling arthritis for years healing in Jesus' name come on, it's for you it's available he paid the price I especially felt that the Lord wanted to heal people struggling with anxiety and depression God wants to set you free. The The crown of thorns was placed and shoved into his skull so that you could have the mind of Christ. Every demonic lie broken in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person here. Come, touch them right now. We thank you for what you paid for. We receive it now in Jesus' name. You may partake of the cup i know it's ten fifty-eight. but thank god the clock is not god so this is what i want to do i want to have our ministry team come up to the front here right now quickly please and if you need prayer for healing in your body you need prayer For freedom from depression or anxiety you need prayer for anything in your life right now come to the front and receive prayer our worship team is gonna lead us right now in a moment of worship I would encourage you if you're not coming forward for prayer to engage with the Lord right now in a great time of thankfulness, a great time of remembrance, a great time of worship, thanking the Lord for what He did for you on the cross, thanking the Lord for how how He's saved you, how He's forgiven you, how He's loved you. And let's worship Jesus right now with all that we have. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. we turn our hearts to you, let's just take a couple seconds to just acknowledge them.